Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hello, all right. Welcome to the old Transplaining podcast with me, uh, Jordan Gray, the show where a, a guest will bring me a big question and a small question, and I shall endeavour to pull an explanation for them right out of my aris, is what I'm going to do. I shall dip into my fount of knowledge, um, and I, I won't be mansplaining, I shall be transplaining my way through this, because I, of course, am a transgender person, in case you can't tell from the cadence of my voice. Not important to the explanations, they shan't be transgender-centric, just gonna try and explain things to the best of my ability because I'm one of those people if I don't know something I just make it up. The Transplaining podcast will always always involve a special comedy co-host every single week there should be a a special comedy co-host and uh, who will endeavour to help me explain a big and small question from a second host. What I've done there is I've I've front-loaded the show with hosts so I can then sit back and enjoy their banter when I'm feeling less confident than I normally am that I know what I'm talking about. Joining me this week, someone who I'm especially fond of and who I have connected with recently at the old Edinburgh Fringe, Sophie Duker is joining me on the podcast. I'm going to say some stuff about you, but do you want to jump in now? And- yeah, no, I just feel that whenever I'm on a podcast, I feel like I have to pretend I don't exist until they say my name. That's it. So I wanted to get out as quick as possible. Yeah, I was just like, oh God, thank God I'm here. I'm also here. You can say some things about me, then I'll, then I'll contribute. Now that's it. Now we can relax. Well, Sophie Duker, known for lots of many things, which is definitely a sentence. Your first stand-up show, Diet Woke, premiered in 2018, but we'll probably know you from the likes of Mock the Week, 8 Out of 10 Cats, The Dog, 8 My Homework, Jonathan Ross's Comedy Club, Richard Osman's House of Games, Roast Battle, and your own show, of course, which I believe you are performing next week, 2nd of November at the Four Thieves Pub, uh, which is in Battersea. It is in Battersea. I am doing it in Battersea, although that's like a sort of warm-up show, so I might not do the whole show. Whole show will be on tour in 2023, but also at Soho Theatre in November. Uh, it's always Sophie Duke, thanks for being on my programme. It's the inaugural episode, it's the first one. Thanks for having me on the first. Is this a sort of like um, crash dummy test episode? Yeah. So that if we, like, if I burst into flames, you can just be like, well. That's why the walls look like this. We're designed to be able to hurl ourselves <laughs> without breaking our bones. It's just nice to have you here because um, I present a large degree of confidence and co- assuredness. But I can be quite nervous at times. And when you're looking at a person that you like and admire while it's happening, I feel much more confident that we can get through this. Yeah, we can get through this. This is going to be, I think, incredible. You've been really nice to me this year because we reconnected at the old Edinburgh Fringe. You were having a party, presumably to celebrate your triumphs. And I just sort of wandered in with my little mini entourage. And I realised very quickly we weren't supposed to be there. But you said it's all right. And you gave us a little seat in the corner. No, it was fine. It was fine. I was having a party after my show Wacky Racist at the Fringe which is for performers of colour. So when you wandered in near the end of that party, it, it was sort of like a, it was like a diversion on the Dulux colour chart of what, 
I, yeah. of what had been the party. But at that point, everyone was just, everyone was mingling. It was very silly. chill. Your friends were very nice to me as well. I'll get shy. I'll get shy around people that I like and I make no secret of the fact that I'm very fond of you. So you just come over and made me feel like it was like it was like being in a cool music video for me. It was oh nice. It was a proper party. You was having a proper party. In we there. Were I don't know what you're getting up to. Just hijinks. I fell off two tables and I, I, I yeah, I think that's simultaneously. Good... Or was it like a situation like with the champagne glasses from one down to the next? You fell off one, landed on another and fell off that one. It was sort of like if you like ever play any video games like Indiana Jones when you're on like a rope bridge. Like when you're running, or like when you're running, like between a moving walkway that falls when you step on it. So I sort of stepped on one for support, it tumbled, and I sort of jumped onto the other one. That's incredible. Yeah. The Lara Croft of the Edinburgh Fringe. <laughs> yeah. That's well impressive. So our mutual friend Nish Kumar will be here very shortly, um, armed with a big and a small question. This show being a show about explaining things, pulling information out of nowhere to explain somebody's questions. Is there any areas that you feel particularly confident in because I've got here written on a piece of paper what is actually inside my brain that you you studied French and English at the prestigious Wadham College at Oxford University oh yeah Wadham College <laughs> um, that's how the cool kids say it they didn't go there but that is how I'd prefer to say it Wadham what, what's the question about it right so like you you did French yeah so if Nish comes in here with a very specific French question we're sorted we're sure yeah I can answer in French or about French I can answer it Probably any question. For my sake, I'd ask you to do it in English about French, but I'll still I'll go with it if you feel if you're feeling the flow. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I might spin into a little bit of impromptu français. That's a lovely phrase. Um, Sophie Duker, and I will be using your full name throughout because I don't know why I do that. It's very formal. I like it. Good. There's a lot of Sophies. There's not so many Dukers. That's true. I've got to say this before anything else. I invented a nickname for you at Fringe that I just use for my own self, and it's in my phone. I've got you as. Duke's aid. I noticed that because you text me and call me Duke's aid. Just, I liked it. There's no more to that it's, except it's you're bubbly, good. it's fizzy. Yeah, we're all thirsty for you. Banded to it's some Duke's country. Aid. <laughs> <laughs> so that's who you are to me now. So uh, Duke's aid. How's about we invite the man himself into the studio, Sony bloody Nish Kumar. Nish Kumar, you're in here now. You're in this room with us. I'm here. I've arrived, everyone. Thanks for doing that. What you done? Is it a British comedy podcast unless I guest on it? No. (laughs) No, No, it is not. It's the inaugural episode. We wanted to make sure people, we were legitimised by both your presence. (laughs) Thank you for blessing the pod. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. Nish, you know the premise of the show is that we sort of ask quite clever people if they would like something explaining. Yeah. I'm one of them people that thinks they're clever or at least likes to pretend to be. Not really, but I can explain stuff quite confidently. Well, you've invited the right person on. If you were planning on inviting someone with exactly those same qualities. <laughs> that That's so, I was curious. Because when you're known as being like a sort of a clever person. I don't know if I'm the smartest dumb person in the world or the dumbest smart person in the world. But Ooh. I exist right on the borderline because I know in of myself I'm quite stupid. But I... I'm you look very good in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> does. You've hit the nail on the head. <laughs> Every time I see you in your like casual wear, I'm like, how have they let this crazy host so many shows? All of my authority. All, I'm wearing a t-shirt today, and my authority has just evaporated. It without the without the suit and tie, which by the way has to be put on for me, because w- when I hosted the Mash Report, they made a suit for me, but my body is so weird that it sort of somehow shifted. 
And so I then had to be like pinned into it like a Victorian lady. And so it was like a process of getting me in the suit. And one day, Brittany, my friend who does the costuming, had food poisoning and she had to like send instructions. Like for everyone else, they were like, oh, put Rachel Paris in this dress. And that was the instruction for Rachel Paris. But with Nish, it was put Nish in this suit. And the word put is literally place him in the suit. And then organise it with this complex series of pins that need to be inserted to make it sit properly. So presumably a suit, if you had kept it, I have no idea if you have, but if it's hanging in your wardrobe, you'll need specific instructions on how to I, put I it on my, oh, I, I don't know if I should admit that, but I did steal it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely have the soul of the suit. But it's just redundant because you don't have to put it on. No, it's like when I put something on, it just immediately crumples. Like, there's just, there's no way for me. My brother is like, when he wears a suit, my brother's suit, like, it looks like his body has ironed a suit. Like, that's how he looks. Whereas when I wear it, it's like, oh, have you just, uh, do you live in a bin? You just got out of the bin you live in. You, the geometry of your of your attire is a very first world problem to have. But it's quite sweet to worry about those angles. I like that you even notice what angle your suit's at. Um, Nish Kumar, what I suspect is probably a good thing to do in accordance with the format of the podcast is sure. to ask you a big question that you would like explaining. And then Sophie Duke and I will attempt to explain it for you. You're not going to live without an explanation. It might be, not be the one you wanted or indeed were expecting, yeah. but we'll explain it for you. Do you have a, a huge, all-encompassing a huge, question? A huge, all-encompassing question. You can leave as much of a gap between <laughs> that sentence as you want. You've got a huge question. I've got an absolutely huge... Yes, my huge, all-encompassing question is, how do we get people to care about the end of the world? Like, Ooh. it's just something that's on my mind mm. quite a lot at the moment. I think specifically because the Just Stop Oil protesters did that thing very recently where they threw uh, a load of paint on what I think it turned out to be a reproduction of a Van Gogh that is oh. behind glass anyway. So it was the, the actual painting was not damaged at all. And there seems to have been quite a lot of disgust aimed at them, even by some people who I think I, I would have assumed would be broadly sympathetic towards their aims. And all they're trying to do is get us to care that it was 40 degrees this summer and London just caught fire. Like, I don't know how much clearer it could be than the city just burst into flames. I feel like I'm used to people in the Western world not necessarily caring when climate change affects countries where the people look like me and so <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I feel like the strongest case should be, you know, Pakistan, that country is underwater. Like it was mm. just under it became Atlantis for a bit this year. But with that, you sort of we sort of inured to people not really caring yeah. about that. But I thought when you know, like Australia burst into flames. I know technically Australia shouldn't be a white country. Uh, let's not get into that. That's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what, I've opened what, up a, a whole other avenue of a podcast there. Well, I'm not surprised this thing shouldn't be white. <laughs> but I just, I think when, when, I, when you see sort of Australia catching fire and, you know, London catching fire, you sort of think, how do you get people to care about that sort of stuff? That's my big question for you guys. I would intuitively say as a, ghostly white person as the most white person I know I think when you think about another country on fire that this is going to sound so stupid yeah. but they're hot countries yeah. so you think that this is uh, the brand yeah. Yeah. if a cult if, right that's what would have to happen yeah. if it's Norway cold, catches fire if Norway caught fire people would be right this is getting out of hand <laughs> if, the, if the top of a mountain caught fire there's no snow left on the top of a mountain you go ah it's warm anyway so it's just a few degrees removed is what I suspect this is not 
My... I get, I get that. I get yeah. that. Also, the top of a mountain is is white, which is the hot, no, the hottest bit of the candle. It's the hottest... a volca- I'm thinking of volcanoes. You're thinking, thinking of volcanoes. You're hot, thinking... hot mountains. You're thinking of hot mountains, hot not mountain. cold mountains. Ooh. The hot mountain. I, right. So. On the flip side, if a volcano adds some snow on top, I'd be like, yeah. things have gone a bit yeah, the other way. Yeah, things have got a bit. That doesn't feel far enough away from my comfort level. Also, ice melting. You go, oh, the ice is melting. Well, we it does. It melts. <laughs> so it's, it, it shouldn't be at that rate, but it does melt all the time, every day. These glasses, I mean, this is an audio medium. I will say these glasses are sort of, they beg the question, when does a glass become a bowl? These yeah, are tiny they, these, are, these are thick glasses. But they, they had, had ice in it just now, and that was only a minute ago, and it's gone. So it's par for the course. It, that, you're right, it would, if a cold country was on fire or a hot country yeah. was well cold, if you saw some people <laughs> in a hot country with a jumper on, that made me care way more. But England is a cold country, right? Yes. Or is yeah. it just a wet country? Yeah, and it is on fire. It should definitely shouldn't be 40 degrees in England. Like 100% it should be 40 degrees in England. So I think the broader question that I'm asking is, what is a way that you can get across serious messages through protest that makes the point? Or is it just that you have to, we, ha- we are now in a position where we have to be able to steamroller other people's mm. concerns about the methods of protest because they're actually running counter to science? I think I've been slightly dismayed by mm-hmm. the way, and this isn't just to do with the recent incident, but just in general, the way that Just Stop Oil and Extinction Rebellion, the way that those protests have been covered i I think i've been slightly disappointed Mm -hmm. by the way that otherwise people who i would think of as being sort of having left or liberal politics sure have sort of been a bit like well no this is not the right way to do this and you kind of go but i don't really know what other way because people like people have been trying to peacefully protest about climate change for absolutely years and years and years it doesn't even register doesn't blip I think it's because it's the wrong people protesting. Right, right, right. So when I saw the Just Stop Oil thing when they did the sunflowers painting that everyone suddenly remembered that <laughs> they really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they threw, was it, it was soup. It was soup it was that soup. they threw on yeah, it. Yeah, it was soup. But the people yeah. that threw the soup on the painting were really young and they had dyed hair. <laughs> <laughs> They just had youthful collagen faces <laughs> and then the dyed hair and they were queer and people looked at that and they were like, this just reminds me that I'm going to die. <laughs> I wish you would drown in some soup. The kind of people that should be protesting climate change are like Captain Tom. May you rest in peace. <laughs> I, I do look out for differently hued hair when I know, I mean, if I'm worried about gig and I pop out and I see some blue and some pink at the back, I'm like, this is going to be fine. Yeah, this is going to be fine. Be yeah. Lovely. I would say all of us as comedians <laughs> uh, walk out on stage and immediately are looking for blue or pink hair. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I've just remembered. Since you brought up Extinction Rebellion, you may not remember this at all. That's where we met. We met at yeah. Extinction Rebellion. Oh, yeah, that's right? where we met. In Trafalgar Square, live. It was Trafalgar Square, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was all nervous. You were so nice to me. What I'd just done that afternoon is watched Whacking Phoenix's Joker, the film. <laughs> and, and I stupidly thought, what I'd go out and do to this room of protesters and a, a ring of police around the yeah. outside is I just, <laughs> I just brought up, I was like, oh, hello, everyone. I tell you, what, I just watched the Joker. Towards the end of that film, that crazy clown had some sexy ideas. <laughs> and I thought it was going to make everyone feel better. And it did not at all. I, I, I will say... It did really make me laugh. I, don't I only whether, heard you laugh. I don't know whether that... I think, the good thing about if you make me laugh is it sounds like 500 people are kicking off because Such of a the warm sheer laugh. volume of it. You but are yeah, a good I did, laugher. I, I do remember that. And I re- yeah, we did, we did do a gig at Extinction Rebellion and I do accept that some of the 
people behind a lot of these movements that are getting a lot of press coverage are posh and white. But let me tell you, when posh and white people get together and do something as a group, it normally ends very badly. <laughs> and the fact that this is what posh white people are now devoting their time to makes me feel good. I feel yeah. good that like the rich whites are like wading in on climate change. I'm I'm thankful for that. Yeah. I thought it was like a brown or a black person gluing themselves to I'd just be like, yeah. <laughs> What are you doing? You bet, yeah. Yeah. If you do that, they'll literally build a glass cage around yeah. you. That's what David Blake was doing. And then someone will come and throw some paint at it because it's an art piece. Oh, we didn't realise we could. The idea of armchair pundits getting really caring about that specific piece of art is very funny as well. Yeah. You're right. That's so true. Yeah, I didn't realise the entire readership of the Daily Mail was such a, were such lovers of Vincent van Gogh's yeah. work. They love it. So we would staff... The, the, the change, the change we want to see in the world should be staffed by what kind of person do we think then, Sophie? Who, If we want to get people to care about, I who should be doing old, it? Like old people. Old, like good. Like 80 yeah. plus. Yeah. <laughs> 80 plus people. Great. We, we need to get, yeah, we need more old people. Rich old white people as well. I don't think a sort of Cockney geezer in yeah. the 70s is going to, is, is going to, I'd say that Cockney geezer is going to face a lot of the same problems yeah. that the black or Asian people would face <laughs> no. in that position. No, actually we're not going to have like a... A front line of pearly kings and queens. <laughs> I would love that. It would be great. I think there's less and less of them, though. Yeah. C- climate change. <laughs> Are you saying climate change is melting the pearly kings and queens? I thought they're like, I don't know what the... Aren't pearls like oysters? <laughs> a pearl is a, 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 a an oyster's... Um, what's, what's it called when you come out when you can't wee and then a stone comes out? Kidney stone. It's a. It's like an oyster's kidney stone, isn't it? It's is like, it really? It gets an irritation. A bit of sand goes into an oyster. I'm glad that you brought up a question I can actually ask. Oh, you actually do yeah, know a, quite a lot of a, stuff, John. <laughs> a, a bit of sand goes into an oyster and it finds it irritating, so it surrounds it with this stuff, this mother of pearl, to stop it irritating the inside of itself and layer upon layer upon layer of that is created and the and the longer it's in there, the bigger that pearl becomes. And Wait, so it's, it's like an oyster... It's discharge. It's, it's a discharge. <laughs> if you've got a bit of some... What's a good equivalent? I suppose like a... <laughs> It's always it's always discharge with you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's a very posh bit of discharge, is what it is. Wow. Next you'll be telling me that diamonds are like smeg I don't know. <laughs> a mountain does a little jizz and then oh. a diamond comes out. And then old rich people wear them. So I'm thinking a ring of old rich white people, is that what we're saying? Is yeah, good. And a ring of old so. rich white people holding hands at the top of a, a cold volcano. <laughs> a vol cold a, a cold cano. Um well, I haven't thought beyond that, but that's a lovely image. I was going to say, like, who do people listen to who are old? And then I was like, do people listen to comedians, funny people? No. No, okay. No. No, I mean, I can tell you that based on my recent career <laughs> and the results of the last three general elections. True, true. Yes. <laughs> if anything, I would argue my comedy has had an adverse effect on the future <laughs> of the Labour Party. <laughs> I th- I've always been of the opinion that we used to get our political news from comedians. I certainly have. But now I sort of know more of you actually personally so it's just a chat it's just I'm getting it from a chat and I'm finding out that you don't even necessarily believe it that that's what's happening I mean I definitely believe it my concern is that I think I would accept having a no impact Mm. but I worry sometimes I've had a negative impact sure I worry sometimes that people are like, I don't know if I'm going to vote Tory. Oh, that news came on. Yeah, but that (laughs) is is what people are sort of saying. Like when the activists did it, they were like, oh, they've lost me now. Yeah, they've lost me now. Did they ever have you? (laughs) (laughs) Did they ever have you, Brian from Hertfordshire, who drives two Jags? (laughs) Simultaneously as well, and that's a power move. Such a power move. 
sort of like Crocodile Dundee with the foot through both windows. Um, right. I think as a as a supplementary answer to your question that you might be happy with as a placeholder. Yeah. You'd just like to see a lot of old, a lot of old white people talking about it more. Yeah. I think that would be good. That's not That's to say that there's hardly ever been the solution okay. to anything. Yeah, in a theory, it hasn't. I, I'm surprised that we've come to this conclusion <laughs> yeah. as anyone. Here. I can't believe it. But when you go to when, when we did the gig at the Extinction Rebellion, I mean, it was a lot of mm. teenagers and twenty year olds, but there were also lots of like good old fashioned sixties and seventies hippies. With loads um, of beautiful, fashionable knitwear. Yeah, gorgeous exactly. knitwear. A lot of knitwear. Yeah, yeah. I'm it, sure there are rich hippies. They have to be, right? Yeah. I keep hearing about like communist millionaires that own mansions and stuff, which I know doesn't make sense, but I, it, there is a sort of, the, the British aristocracy does have this sort of semi-noble tradition mm. of occasionally throwing up the odd rogue element. Yeah. I'm just wondering what the best way to sort of, who the best front person is to put on this message so that people actually listen to it. What's the, right, okay. Wogan. Wogan was still alive. <laughs> all the people you're suggesting are dead. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Captain Tom. <laughs> we didn't get to him quick enough is what you're saying. Right, we need to be looking for people. Yes, yes. I know someone who's old. Yeah. Who's rich. Yeah. And white. Yeah. Humble Brett. Attenborough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know him personally. So right. we'll this is the thing, Attenborough is trying. He, well, he has been trying for a long time and he did, if we remember, get rid of plastic straws like that. Yeah. Attenborough murdered plastic straws <laughs> with one comment. But he he is somebody who I do think has really been trying to convince people of the seriousness of the, the issue. Yeah. So maybe what we need is Attenborough to throw soup at something. <laughs> <laughs> like a penguin or whatever it is. Whatever the, right. The answer is, all we've got to do to, answer, to finally answer this question is find the animal people most care about. Get David Attenborough to throw some soup at said animal. Provided that that animal's natural diet isn't a soup diet, because otherwise yeah, yeah. it's just exacerbating the situation. Dogs? People love dogs? People Attenborough love dogs. throw soup at a dog? <laughs> this is great. This is like the swiftest way to get David Attenborough cancelled. As like a cockapoo sitting on a bench and David Attenborough twats it with some minestrone. <laughs> Well, I believe, I believe uh, we've we've come to the conclusion. Much like a therapy session, you sort of came with the answer in the back of your mind. We just needed to bring it out of you, and you've come to the conclusion, as Sophie elegantly puts it. Uh, so we can decide on the soup and the species later, but it's a dog covered in soup. David Attenborough's the culprit. Uh, have we answered your first big yeah, question? Yeah, I have to say that this podcast has gone exactly the way that I think people would assume it would have gone. <laughs> From the three people who Jordan, who is now the most recent member of the piss boiling society. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to the club, by the way, Jordan. Thank you, Thank you so much. So nice you. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What we're going to do now is answer some of your uh, written-in questions off the old internet and that. Uh, these are quick-fire questions. There's no wrong answers. Of course not. The entire premise of the podcast dictates we can say whatever we like. We're going to ask some quick-fire questions. We're going to answer the questions of people online. Chris Von Sin says, Why can't we work out how to make the handrails on escalators go at the same speed as the steps? <laughs> that's great. That's, I'm reading this in real time. That's so true. Do you remember when you're holding on with a hand? Yeah. yeah it starts a... to move down beside you. That's I've a very funny thing. I've that because of COVID where I just sort of adopt a sort of mummy pose when I enter public transport. <laughs> and even if I topple over onto my face, I don't touch anything. <laughs> that would be, be such an unsettling thing to see when the tube doors open, just you giving it the full Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> hands across your chest, <laughs> refusing to touch anything. I really, I mean, I touch some things when I have to, but it's always like a staring match between someone to press the button to open the door. Yeah, I, f- I sort of feel a bit like my grandmother has weirdly been like preparing for COVID her entire life because w- the second I walk into the house, the first thing she says is, wash your hands, wash your hands. Don't come near me yeah. unless you wash your hands. So in a weird way, when you ask her why, she's like, you've been on the tube. It's disgusting. It's covered in discharge. <laughs> my, my wife uh, has a habit now. I feel like a giant baby. I walk in and she'll wet wipe. Um, my digits like, like finger by fingers quite sweet because she's got that same concern we like my little fingers and my little toes and I, I'm fully happy and your toes yeah, yeah. yeah I've taken my she bought me flat footed bottom shoes so no oh. dirt can get caught in the grooves so if she's I think I mean as I'm saying it to you I'm realising that it's maybe not the most normal behaviour but I quite like getting my little fingers white <laughs> it's really sweet um, I would say if we really want them to move at the same speed we can have a, like a pulley system where the where the rail is attached to the Thing. So the rail is sort of pulling along the steps. Yeah. Is there some reason why? Is it because most of the weight is on the actual steps, so it causes those to move slower? <gasps> right, weighted handrails. Yeah. I think is what Nish Kumar is suggesting. Yeah. Uh... Sit on the rail. Do what they tell you not look, to do. It looks like they're moving at the same speed, but then when you stand on it, it feels like the they're not moving. At yeah, the same no, speed. they're definitely. I, not, yeah. We're having a conversation about science, and as soon as I started speaking, I was out of my depth. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I started speaking. I was speaking ahead of any knowledge that I might have. It felt good, though. It did Like, weighted handrails, and I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Weighted handrails is the answer to your question. Holly and Margaret Sanderson says, how do you know we're all actually seeing the same colour? Now, that is the first joint of your life question. That is the, or if you're me, being 10 years old and thinking about it and then crying to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because of the unknowableness of the universe. Are we seeing the same colour? I think is maybe the thing to undercut that question with, are we? I think we are, because otherwise we wouldn't know which ones to hate. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. We need to know we are. If we're going to save, you know, if we're going to get all these white people, old white people together at the top of a volcano, I need to know we're all looking at the same (laughs) shade of person. Um, I have thought about that a lot and also about whether... There's a colour that I haven't seen and I don't know because I haven't seen it. Oh, right, right, right. I'm seeing a whole new... Yeah, because you can't yeah. imagine it, can you? In my mind, the only, it's like a sheeny, silvery purple, but then I'm only using colours that already exist. To... Yeah, I, I was about to yeah. say, is there a colour? And I was just thinking of prints on the cover of Purple Rain. And you're like, no, you're thinking of the colour purple. Yeah. So I suspect we probably are all seeing the same colour. Yeah, and I the, think the shape so. of our corneas are a little bit different. 
like the cord, the bits in the back of our eye, the little cones, they're all shaped differently. So we may very well be interpreting them different, but we all know what colours. Yeah, that's mean. right. We all know what colour purple rain is. And if we yeah. don't, it's because we're actually colourblind. Cut so purple rain you know, ain't a colour, Nish. It's a sound. It's a, it's a series of <laughs> sounds that he's put together quite diligently into yeah, an album. I don't know that anyone has managed to co-opt a colour more successfully than Prince. I cannot separate the colour purple from... Even the film, The Colour Purple, I think, is Prince in that, no, he is. <laughs> no, he's not, he's not in that. Nancy Appleby, what is the greatest biscuit? Mm. Have you got one in your mouth right now? That was the sound of somebody that was <laughs> that enjoying was a biscuit. Someone swallowing mm. a biscuit hastily. It's a hobnob, isn't it? Hobnob is. A chocolate hobnob. In the it's UK, gotta be it's got to be a hobnob. It's got to be a chocolate hobnob. It's so nice when people that you admire have the same views as you. Yeah. <laughs> it's so lovely. It's got to be some some sort of hobnob. I, I personally would go chocolate hobnob. Yeah, it's a chocolate hobnob, but I think if you're going for pure biscuit... Fine, hobnob. I, hobnob. I would agree, yeah. Because of its structural integrity, yes. because of its flavouring. Mm. Yeah, it's really... Because of what it means to people. <laughs> I mean, I have a kind of nostalgic fondness for a jammy dodger, but that's that's my yeah. version of Proust's Madeline. <laughs> In research of lost niche. <laughs> Frana Reviews says, are you happy for people to come to your Halloween party in just normal fancy dress rather than something scary? I think about this a lot. Does Halloween costume mean macabre by default or can you show up as a carrot or whatever? Because in American films... When you see an American high school party, there's all sorts, isn't there? There's like rabbits, there's yeah. some zombies and somewhere, but then there's nurses. That episode of Friends must annoy so many people on Halloween. It's just he's just dressed like a potato. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that... also in there's a Buffy episode where they get turned into the costumes. Yes, there is. That they that they're dressed as and she's dressed like a and the sort of central jeopardy of the episode is she's dressed like a princess. And so she becomes kind of a sort of ineffectual kept woman from the 18th century or whatever and so you're right it is like I I, I don't have a problem with people turning up to a Halloween party dressed in not a scary costume I have I think there are rules about oh here we go all right here we go my unpopular views (laughs) I think you have to be either scary funny yeah or slutty but I think slutty (laughs) (laughs) I think slutty is a sub a sub genre of the two main types so you can be scary and slutty or you can be funny and slutty, or you can be scary, funny and slutty, but you shouldn't just just be slutty. Oh, interesting. Okay. So yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. going. So it elevates it with some yeah. fear or some. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you want to know what my current yeah. front runner is? Yeah. <laughs> Halloween yeah. costume. I'm going as a slutty pig. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, uh, we need to dive into these slutty elements. How do you slutify a pig? Is it a. Uh, uh, like a live pig, or is it a uh, like a? Pig, oh no, it's a li- it's an alive pig. An alive pig. It's not like a like bacon in a, <laughs> yeah. in a lipstick and high heels. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe a gargoyle-esque. <laughs> Streaky. Um, no, I'm a live pig, and I'm a British pig. Thank course, you. Thank at last. you. Yeah, I'm a British thank pig. Leave me to leave. Yeah, I think it's the. I think my angle, my motivation. <laughs> basically, I found a slutty outfit, and it's a sort of like. Slightly translucent leotard that's got like dragons on the tits, <laughs> but it's pink. It's pink. Couldn't be more. So I thought than it was like I'm a pig that's opening up markets in Beijing, port markets in Beijing. It's <laughs> so my favourite thing about a costume is the back is the, <laughs> the, the satirical yeah. content. That's not an icebreaker. That is an avalanche destroying <laughs> conversation. What too much information about me? That is a deep sea drilling people, of a conversation. Thing is, I said this at a gig. I've only said this at one gig. <laughs> And, people, and I don't know if it's because it's a good costume or not, but I am buying the elements. 
to make this costume. Wait, so you've got so you've currently got a pink semi translucent. Yeah, 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 yeah. With dragons like with dragons over the nips. Yeah. Yeah, like a sort of a very uh, a medieval bustier with yeah, right, okay. What are the other pink? Yeah, what are you doing with your nose? Are you doing anything with this? I've just ordered a a pig (laughs) stuff. That's adorable. I love you so much. How else would I go as a pig? I don't know why you're reacting. I've got a pig. I've got pig ears. I don't know. The rest of the outfit screams pig as far as I'm concerned. We all know about pigs and their dragon nipples. Fire-breathing tits. We've all seen Babe. (laughs) (laughs) That'll do, Sophie. That'll do. That'll do, mate. Um, ears, just the whole uh, little ears, corkscrew tail. There's a tail. It doesn't look. It looks a bit like a rat. It like it's from online, so I think I might have to twist it. You have to twist I it. Might right, have to yeah. Curl it to make it more believable. Imagine you leaving the party, and the world will have itself a new cryptid. You know those yeah, sort of yeah, monsters yeah. that people talk about, the Bigfoots and the Loch Ness. <laughs> that is the most chimeric costume I've ever heard of in my life. Little rat-tailed, pig-nosed, dragon-titted monster. It's amazing that when you introduced the concept of a sexy pig, we were both incredibly confused. And yet you've explained it and somehow I'd argue we're now more confused. Yeah, that will be the, the answer. The question for my next episode will be somebody asking me what on earth I should endeavour to explain. That's wonderful. Well yeah, done. Yeah. Nish, go to Halloween costume before we move on. The best Halloween costume I've ever gone as was I went to a party with the comedian actor Jason Manzoukis, who I will admit, we bear a striking resemblance to each other and we went dressed as each other. Oh, nice. And nice. he was wearing one of my jackets and shirts and I was wearing <laughs> his one of his shirts and holding his EpiPen because he's got quite a lot of food allergies. <laughs> so that oh, was without question the best. I'll never top that as a Halloween costume. Did people mistake you for each other or did they have such an intimate knowledge of you both at that party? No, that no. They, a... People were very yeah. aware. At the mm. party that we were at, people were very aware. But it is he's the only person where someone was like, oh, you really look like this guy. I was like, no, I don't. And then occasionally I see pictures. I saw pictures of him and I was like, when did I meet Paul F. Tomkins? Oh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> when when was I in the 99th precinct of the Brooklyn Police Department? <laughs> oh, no way. Manzouk, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, I believe we've answered your quickfire questions. Thank you. Uh, as a week in, week out, we shall be getting your questions. Always write to askjordan at off-script.co.uk. Uh, and send us things you'd like explaining. We shall move on now to Nish Kumar's small question. This is a small question, but it obviously ha- it has some quite big subjects coded within it, Ooh. but it is in of itself quite a small and stupid question. Love and it. that question is, should I watch the upcoming Men's Football World Cup? Because I love the World Cup. Good, I love that's football. a good start. It's great. I, I absolutely love it, but it feels... I mean, <laughs> the Russia World Cup was bad. I was aware that it was bad as I was watching it. And now this World Cup, given Qatar's like legislation that prevents you from being gay there, and given that, you know, a lot of like Indian migrant workers have died building the stadiums, how can I ethically defend my decision <laughs> to watch the World Cup? Like, and it, it, it feels like, I understand that it feels like quite, it definitely feels like quite a minor thing, especially if you're not a football fan. The instinctive thing is, oh, just don't watch the fucking World Cup. (laughs) Like, that's the easiest thing in the world. But if you're a football fan, it's quite woven into your life. You know, people very viscerally remember the first time they saw a World Cup. I don't know if it's quite the same anymore now because 
you know, you can see international football in much easier and you can see like games from every league in the world. And also like the money in Europe has sort of slowly pulled all of the footballing talent from around the world into the continent. So it all kind of gets, it's all accessible in the Champions League. So I, I actually don't even know if like younger people now care as much. But when I was younger, you know, it was like the first time you saw a lot of players that you'd sort of vaguely heard about. And it still had some, this is probably the last vestiges of the mistake. I mean, someone like my dad, like my dad was like, you know, 1970, I'd never seen Pele before. Like I, he was in India, he was like, we'd never really seen. And when Brazil turn up and they're like, they're in, and it was sort of early colour television and that, the yellow shirts, which look so vivid in yeah. those kind of early, my, my, and they were playing this like amazing brand of football. And all, and my dad was like, you, you no idea. Like it was like, it felt like a kind of whole portal into a completely different world. And so it kind of gets woven into your lives. Yeah, it's but like the shared it... cinematic universe. Yeah, exactly. They're all suddenly yeah. there together. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. people that you love. Is there a way to ethically defend watching the World Cup? Or is this just a case of you just have to admit that you're about to do something very, very unpleasant and unethical? I, I will say, as far as small questions go, that's sort of the Sophie Duke of pink dragon <laughs> costume of small questions. It's a lot of weight behind it. Yes. I, I, suddenly, I have I, such bad small talk. I love it. I have I, such yeah. bad small talk. I swear You're to like God. Migrant worker day. Yeah. LGBTQ I was like, depression. I'm sure there was a point in my life where I was perfectly capable of sitting down with someone and saying, hello, how are you? Nice weather we're having. Yeah. Now I seem to be completely incapable of doing that. And it's also, <laughs> my girlfriend always says about me, she's like, I think you in your life have been beaten up 70% less than you would have been because you like football. <laughs> she was just like, she's always like, there's a point where, particularly with a lot of like cisgendered men, she's like, there's a point in their, I see in their eyes when they start talking to you about football, where they go, I was going to beat this guy up, but God, he knows about football. <laughs> and so football used to be a way that I was able to like small talk with people, but now it feels like you can't, I'm sure every generation's felt this, but it just feels at the moment like you can't keep the politics out of anything. And there's so much going on with football at the moment that, you know, the Saudi Arabian regime have indirectly bought Newcastle United. There's been sort of questions really asked for the first time about whether Roman Abramovich, given his relationship to the Russian leadership, should ever have just been allowed to buy Chelsea without that decision being scrutinised. So, like, I really resent this because it, this is exactly the problem that's created. I, I have terrible chat now. <laughs> this, this question's getting smaller and smaller. Heinous yes, chat. This is the most t- this is the tiniest little thing. Um, I, I suppose just to, as, to, to remove certain variables, would you feel the same watching it in company than you would watching it on your own? We're we trying to isolate the situation. Are you just as, you're just as worried about the, sort of the ethical implications of it? If you're watching it on your own, You'd feel exactly the same. Yeah, I think I would still feel ethically. Because okay. I didn't feel ethic. I watched a, a lot of the Russia World Cup and it didn't feel great. Mm-hmm. And it did not feel great. It felt like the exact distillation of the specific problem that you face, where you're like, I think when the member of Pussy Riot ran on the pitch and high fived Kylian Mbappe, that was a really smart, you know, they're mm. so, they're amazing and they're such, they have such a sense of, spectacle and the way to generate interesting conversation and that single image because Mbappe was the kind of figurehead of that tournament. So if we could, uh, what's the word, stooge 
a situation. Oh, if we could get somebody to, uh, so far, what I'm yeah. hearing is if you could uh, just one display from the from the World Cup this year, just have to have somebody run on the pitch of of cultural importance to that country this year, yeah, and do a, a fun little Some thing. Some sort of like... that at least, yeah. That, I wonder if there's. I just don't know how I feel about it, but it feels like a small question because I feel like if you don't like football, it's like the easiest thing. It's like the easiest thing to do. Yeah. It's to like turn it's around to, and go, don't watch. It's to continue not to watch. Yeah, football. it's to continue not to watch. It's to, yeah. But I feel like it would if you didn't like football, it would you would find it to be quite a small question because you go, oh, just don't. You, it's not like you're starved of football, man. Yeah. You watch like four hours of it a week without breaking a sweat. So maybe just don't watch this football. <laughs> and you owe so much to it. You know, you're, you're, you've you've grown up, uh, like you say, more intact as a body because That's just Amy's like working theory because she's just like, I've seen men. She's just like, why aren't people beating you up? <laughs> yeah. Such a, it's such a it's such a damning indictment of my personality that my partner of ten years is like, I can completely appreciate why someone would beat you up. <laughs> I, I, I'm inclined to say, critics be damned, you owe it to football to watch football because you're still here. It's like I I think therefore I am I, I am here therefore I should watch football. That's what I would think. But then I would love to hear. Your opinion, Sophie Duca. I used to not have any sympathy for football. Sure. Footballs. Yeah. <laughs> Footballs. Yeah. Football yeah. It's there's because lot, it's think... pigskin, isn't it? And you've already... Uh, <laughs> yeah. You've got no sympathy for that. No sympathy for you heathens. Yeah. yeah. Um... Cutting up my brothers and sisters. <laughs> my <laughs> Who sexy. are admittedly less sexy than me. <laughs> um, but then I watched Ted Lasso and I thought, maybe these people aren't monsters. <laughs> I think, as someone who doesn't understand very much about it, FIFA's evil. Very much so. FIFA's really Indefensible. Evil. Yeah, it, there's no, no one, w- I don't think anybody, if somebody is speaking up in defence of FIFA, I guarantee you they are being paid by FIFA. Okay. Just to provide balance, FIFA, not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> right, continue. Today's oh. podcast is sponsored by the FIFA, <laughs> bringing ah. football around the world at a certain cost, both financially and morally. Oh, God. So, like, they, obviously, migrant workers, people have died in the stadiums, yeah. building stadiums. Yeah. I don't know how many people have died. We don't know. They seized passports from migrant workers. It's indentured servitude, basically. Yeah. 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 I think that an analogy in my life for something that I very much once enjoyed and then have had to give up subsequently is Harry Potter, which yes, has its own cinematic universe. Yeah, yeah. And I think that you can enjoy football. Yeah. Slash... A cheeky bit of Fred and George Weasley in the Quidditch changing rooms. <laughs> if you... <laughs> Fred and George Weasley. I wrote fan fiction about Fred and George no, Weasley sucking up on the word. Oh. Yes, I did. Oh. But they're related. <laughs> yeah, but they weren't sucking each other on things. <laughs> they're literally called beaters. <laughs> I think you can enjoy the world of football yeah. if you offset it. Right, okay. So I think if you, as in your, in your platform, as a pinned-in man, yeah. a man pinned into a suit, that's yeah, what yeah, I yeah, yeah. Uh, I think if you're vocal about how fucked up it all is, right, yes. I think you're allowed, if you offset that's it... That's great. That's if, if you're yeah. in a pub every other minute, just say, oh, this is awful. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. You're fine. And, but you then continue to enjoy it. Yeah. Then you've balanced I'm the conversation. Finally, I've finally run out of... <laughs> Oh, my girlfriend's principle in that finally football is the reason I'm going to be yeah. beaten up yeah. this Christmas. I don't think you could ever enjoy it 
I mean, not, at least well, not while it's in Qatar, as much as you and while FIFA yeah. exists, as much as you would have when you were yeah, a that's little true. boy. It's but I think you can accept it. It's definitely, I definitely know friends of mine that have like have sort of said, "I've oh, enough isn't it? like I just can't watch this anymore because I can't, I can't separate the organisation from it." But the problem is, you understand that intellectually, and then, and then football on the other out. hand, Lionel Messi. <laughs> 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 well, Nish, it sounds much again like like a therapy session. You knew you knew yeah. in your heart what you wanted to do before you came in. You just need me and Sophie to bring it out of you. Watch that. You get it down, you mate. Watch as much football <laughs> as you like. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy it all. But just continue as I think as we've agreed to just punctuate your enjoyment with the occasional outburst about how bad it is. Yeah. That get is the our shit explanation. Out, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Go down swinging. Enjoy. <laughs> Enjoying yourself. Um, do you feel adequately? Yeah, I really do. Thanks. Thank you both. That's uh, made me feel much better. Well, thank you so much. Huge thank you uh, to my guest co-host Sophie Duca and our special guest today, Nish Kumar. Thank you. Uh, that's all right. <laughs> that's really of you. You feel adequately transplained too. Uh, yeah. 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 I feel like I've had it transplained that my Halloween costume is not relatable. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. I do feel better about potentially watching some football, which, to be honest, when it's the World Cup, I do sometimes have a sneaky peek. Yeah, sure. I don't need it. Like, it's because it's anytime. a self-contained narrative. That's yeah. the thing. Like the the rest of it is ceaseless. It's like it's a soap opera, whereas this is a miniseries, and you can understand the characters and their dynamics, and it all ends. A one-off limited series. <laughs> That's how it's done. <laughs> yeah, for just one time. You're in Australia this November, Nish. I am. I'll Why? Be, I'll be in Australia doing uh, my tour show, Your Power, Your Control, at the Athenaeum in Melbourne and then the Sydney Opera House's studio room. But we're leading very much with the Sydney Opera House. And Sophie, uh, we might as well get a second plug in for your show. Yeah. It's coming up in November. It's in November at the Soho Theatre, starting on the 7th, and then I'm going on tour across the UK, February, March and April 2023. That's wonderful. I'm going to do the Palladium on Friday. Woo! Woo! That is so exciting. It's very cool. Thanks. It's nice that I'm allowed to drop that in with you too. That's lovely. <laughs> really, really sweet. Um, well, thank you for, for joining us, listeners, on the Transplaining a Podcast. Don't forget, if you have something you want to ask, email ask.jordan at off-script.co.uk and we shall endeavour to answer them week on week, uh, surrounded by people that I love and admire. It's been so nice. I'm very fond of both of you. You've both been incredibly lovely to me this year. You're both smashing it. Transplaining is an off-script production produced by Ben Backhouse and executive producer Louise Berry. Sign off as you see fit. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet.